subject of today's episode is a cavalcade of holiday horror, including the unsettling deaths of three children in the late 19th century and a horrifying Midwest murder spree in the early 1990s. Plus, we'll ask the question, what the hell is going on in Japan? And then end it all with the reading of a Yuletide classic, albeit altered slightly. And all with a very special guest, Today, we bring you Christmas Time True Crime Part 2. I'm Kevin Young. And I'm Dan Dasher Harrigan. I'm Phil Better, the podcast mogul. Back uh, again. He baby. did it on his own this time. And <laughs> yeah, this, I, I remember. This is torture. It works, uh, Phil. I remember I a, this time. I was like, do I do it or do I not? <laughs> I have a bunch of different titles that I could have done. <laughs> two Christmas, Two Crime. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Christmas Time, True Crime. Here we go again. Uh, oh, Christmas time, true crime, Judgment Day. Hmm. The Bride of Christmas <laughs> this time, time, true personal. crime. <laughs> this time it's personal. <laughs> oh no, it's it's Christmas time, true crime two, Electric Boogaloo. This time yeah. it's personal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's been too long, though. Exactly. <laughs> That's the point, Dan. That's the point. I know. <laughs> Christmas oh, time, true crime, Wrath of Khan. Khan! Uh, <laughs> Khan! Christmas! All right, before we get started, uh, let me reintroduce you to our guest today, podcast host and producers of shows like Stock Dirty to Me, the 2021 winner of Best Business Podcast, Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast, 2022 winner of the Best Business and Marketing Podcast, Money Grows on Trees, and The Phil Better Show, a man with 200-plus interviews with some of the most influential people in media and podcasting, the podcast mogul himself, Bodar the Cock-Stealing Barbarian, <laughs> and one of our favorite people in the whole fucking world, and probably our sixth or seventh favorite Canadian, Phil Better. <laughs> Thank you so here. much. That uh, is a deep cut with the Bonar. That is a deep cut. My it God. Is. It is. And it will be forever. forever. My favorite can, Bonar, every time Bonar you come thing this show, is. It will be Bonar. Yeah. I remember his it. name kept changing. How Phil pronounced his own name. That changed every Bonar, single time. Bonar. Bonar. Yeah, Bonaire. <laughs> there was Bonaire. Yeah, Bonaire for a yeah. bit. That's a D and D thing. I think. I think our <laughs> listeners probably get it by now. Yeah, that's a D and D thing. Well, like I said to you already, we're going to have to eventually organize a game of torture D and D. So, mm-hmm. a couple of the uh, patrons or some listeners spring on, and then us uh, and Phil just have a good old time. Yeah, oh, see, if, be see if Keishla wants to come on. Uh, you know, 
Yeah, hope like all your food cooked with penises in them. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. There was no penises in it. He used the phallic <laughs> containers for yes. salt okay. and spices. Yes, please explain to everybody what I mean when I say Bonar the cock-stealing barbarian. Because uh, nobody, oh. nobody got the enjoyment. The whole, thing, the whole thing fell apart before we ever got to put out anything. It was a flaccid spice, spice rack, Kevin. That's what it was. The most flaccid of all spice racks. Bonar was a chef. And be- <laughs> for some reason, he used to take the genitals of certain enemies and use them for uh, spice containers for his cooking. <laughs> and he would have to shake them <laughs> like to shake get weights. them <laughs> like a shake weight. Oh my god. To, sp- to season the food in unique flavors. <laughs> it's also a protective measure. No one's going to steal his spices if it looks like cocks. So. It's true. Unless you're really into cocks, in which case yeah, then you're gonna yeah, then the they're going to have a- accidentally <laughs> get your spices back. <laughs> The, the funniest, one of the funniest things was um, when we were playing a game before and Phil left and decided to take over for his character and he rolled a nat 20 fighting a troll and beheaded it and um, he uh, I got him to uh, take the troll's penis and it's just this gigantic cock around his yeah, 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 yeah. Sad- yeah, just Sa- yeah sadly we didn't yeah. get to go much further in that though but yeah <laughs> Oh god! So add that to your inventory now, Phil. Enter <laughs> character sheet. <laughs> One troll penis. It's a bit old now. It's a couple of years old. Anyway. So yeah. I don't. I, just, I don't. I don't know. The, it this caught is us off the guard most... then. It still catches me off guard now. <laughs> I know. I know. That's the reason why. Pure, it was the most purely it's... random thing. <laughs> to be fair, right, I that's... may have been. Under the influence when I came up with that idea. I bet you were. Yeah, we were nervous of the fan art if we were to ever release anything. <laughs> oh, God. I was waiting for the fan art. <sighs> All right, Dan, since you got two, uh, we'll let you go ahead and do do one of yours. Okay. And then we'll hit uh, okay. Phil and give us... <laughs> Trust me, I'm going in. T- usually I know exactly what we're covering because I'm the one who, you know, does, does the work. Um, I kind of know what Dan's covering. I, I didn't I didn't read into it too much because I wanted you know him to tell the story for me to be surprised. I have no fucking clue what <laughs> Phil is going to talk about other than Japanese game shows. I was going to so, say, well, I've just opened up Crunchyroll here now on the side, so curveball, <laughs> motherfuckers, here we go. <laughs> Sword Art Dad's Online. Dad's doing the Japanese. <laughs> Sword Art Online. <laughs> right, well then, if y'all are ready to buckle up your seatbelts, I'm ready for a wild ride. I'm ready. Let's go. Cool. The subject of today's little mini <laughs> section from myself surrounds 1992 Dayton, Ohio murder spree. So there are probably some people who will know about this one already, especially if you're from Ohio. I'm pretty sure you know all about it. Anyway, so in 1992 in Dayton, Ohio, four youths who referred to themselves as, and I think this is brilliant, the Downtown Posse. I mean, it's just... 
Yeah. Decided to, and I quote, let some drama in their lives, end quote, and planned to rob an acquaintance of one of theirs only for it all to turn turn from drama into a three-day robbery, assault, and vicious murder spree that would haunt the city of Dayton forevermore. I assume they're still haunted by it, so. (laughs) Yeah. The posse consisted of 19-year-old Marvellous Keane, who was apparently an intimidating figure, um, a good student, and even supposedly a really good human being, having never been in trouble with the law, up until the time after, short time after his brother's death um, in a robbery the year prior. Marvellous, Marvellous's then 16-year-old girlfriend, Laura Taylor, who was allegedly not only the most intelligent and manip- manipulative of the group, but also allegedly the most dangerous. The police would later describe her as cold and remorseless. Finally, we had 17-year-old Demarcus Smith and his 20-year-old girlfriend, Heather Matthews. So, all members of the posse were estranged from their families. Uh, They were very bored. They were full of angst, anger, and they were basically out looking for trouble. So, on Christmas Eve 1992, Laura Taylor convinced the group to plan a robbery of an acquaintance of theirs, 34-year-old Joseph Wilkerson, who was a General Motors employee. Taylor and Matthews uh, approached Wilkerson, so the two ladies, just in case, because they're going to be using the surnames here the whole time, so if you have any questions about who's who. Okay. Right? Fair um, so, so Taylor and Matthews approached Wilkerson um, and lured him back to his own home with the promise of having a fun time with the two of them, if you catch my drift. Hmm. They began to strip, only to then produce a gun, and they forced Wilkerson onto the bed where they tied him up with electrical cords. Keen then entered the house and the three of them began to ransack the home looking for valuables. Keen found a 32 caliber pistol apparently in the garage or garage. Um, Keen then returned to the bedroom and decided to just shoot Wilkerson in the chest. <laughs> Taylor then took the gun from Keen, pressed it again against Wilkerson's head and pulled the trigger, killing him. They basically covered the body in loads of junk as they were ransacking the house. Didn't really cares left him lying there in the bed um after eating some of wilkerson's food because yeah they did that to him only to kill him but he had his fucking food they yeah, left well, the property uh, as, one, as you do yeah, <laughs> yeah it makes sense <laughs> they left the property with very few items none of any value really except for Wilker- wilkerson's car which they were now going to use as their vehicle of choice to start to spree with jesus christ so the group hit town and they spotted a young woman using a payphone outside a neighbourhood market. The woman was 19-year-old Danita Jolet, or Galette, I don't know which way you'd pronounce it, so my apologies. Uh, but uh, So she would sadly become their second victim. So Viewing it as so a... They, wait, wait. They, so they wanted, to, they wanted drama in their lives, so they just wanted to rob this guy. And yeah. now they've murdered two people. So far, they've murdered one person. Murdered one person. About, okay, They're about to murder stuff. a second one, though. Spoiler alert. But yeah. <laughs> so Spoiler alert. Um, Thanks, Dan. Yeah. Jeez. Um, so it's I don't worry, man. Phil. She ain't the last <laughs> either. That got out of hand very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, they went in to rob the place and then shot him. My question so. is, is like they could have got him tied up without using a gun. They're two women. If They're like, get on your yeah, bed. Oh, shit. He's going... 
Like, he's up on that bed. He's like, oh, we're being tied up. Sure. They also let's could have robbed this. him without killing him, Phil. They could have done none of it. We want some drama in our lives. I'll go rent yeah, well, a fucking look, if, movie. if you're confused now, wait until you wait until I tell you at the very end what exactly they made out of robberies. Right? Oh, I, so, they right. made nothing. Fuck. So, oh, no, they didn't make nothing. Don't worry. They don't. Uh, uh, okay. It's worse, it's worse okay. than making nothing. Trust me. <laughs> oh, right? Shit. All right. So anyway, right. So, <laughs> so they're viewing it as a quick and easy robbery. Keen approached the phone booth pointed a gun at Danita and said, Merry Christmas, bitch. Then proceeded to shoot nine rounds into the phone booth. Keane would make away with a pair of tennis shoes, a coat and a bag. The bag only had around 50 cent in it, apparently, according to what I read. Five of the shots hit Danita and she would be pronounced dead later on at hospital. But apparently she actually (laughs) died at the scene, though. So, the group then returned to an apartment that was owned by Keane to retire for the night, but not before taking what was effectively their third victim, Heather, who the 20-year-old girlfriend. So, Heather's ex-boyfriend, Jeffrey Wright. Wright was in the apartment to hang out with the group, because they're all kind of buddy buddies, um, when Demarcus Smith, her current boyfriend, 17-year-old guy, um, decided to... Oh, sorry, what (laughs) happened? So, uh, yeah, Demarcus Smith, how's his current boyfriend and a fourth member of the stupid clown posse, as I've decided to call him, um, shot right four times in the legs. But somehow, yeah, somehow, Wright managed to get out and escape and ran to the neighbours after being shot four times in the legs. Because he's Drone's ex-boyfriend. Who's hanging I'm around? Saying, so he just okay. shot him. Like he just came okay, in and you shot want to him. Shoot somebody because they're your girlfriend's <sighs> ex-boyfriend. But why four times in the legs? It that doesn't. He obviously a terrible shot. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, who shit. empties out a fucking clip into <laughs> a phone booth and hits somebody five <laughs> times instead of know. every time? <laughs> Look, I'm still wondering. Daring. Like, I want to know where the bullets went in the guy. The four, the four shots in the leg. Like, were it two and two? Was it just all in one leg? I don't know. Like, and all I thought of is, did you ever see the show Assy McGee? Yes, it's really funny. The bit when he's on the bus and he shoots the guy in the leg. And the guy's lying there. He's like, help me, I need a doctor. So he shoots him in the other leg and he goes, no, you need two doctors. <laughs> That's all I could think of. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> like, if so I were them, I would have blew out the new- kneecaps. Like, the first thing I'm taking out is your kneecaps. If I'm going to shoot you in the legs, you take out the well, kneecaps. They can't run. You're safe. But my, like, my assumption is that the, he probably pulled out the gun and the guy probably ran and he started shooting at him as he was running and probably Maybe. clipped him in the legs. He's probably doing good, the... That's, fucking usual sideways shite yeah. that people use that they can't that's aim with. A, that's a good point. My yeah. my problem is with is these are youths from Dayton, Ohio. They should be better with guns. <laughs> <laughs> probably hunting rifles. They're probably better with the hunting rifles than handguns. No, not downtown Dayton. You're better with the fucking Glock than you are. <laughs> you're not using your gun. They, they can afford the Glocks. Unless you're hunting people. <laughs> Everybody sitting there with snub nose thirty eights and say, "Ah, oh, anything more than that can't handle it." Yeah. Um. <sighs> so right. anyway, <laughs> there were two. <laughs> so he managed to escape, survived his injuries. Right. So he survived. Um. So there were two other friends there in the apartment at the time, uh, who witnessed the attack. It was a sixteen-year-old Wendy Cottrell and an eighteen-year-old Marvin Washington. 
Now the group debated over whether or not they could actually trust the two of them to keep quiet after what they saw, but they ultimately decided to sleep on it until the next morning. Right, so I'm fucking out of there, man. I'm yeah, like yeah, no so shit. out of there. You wake up on so, Christmas morning, right? This is just, some. Of this is stupid, all right. So Christmas morning, the good old stupid clown posse decide that their next target is going to be Taylor. The well, how was she? Sixteen year old girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's Adam um, Keen's sixteen year old girlfriend. Decide it's going to be Taylor's ex boyfriend, Richard Maddox. So Taylor convinced Maddox. To go to a hotel with her. He went. Collected her. In his car. Sure. And the plan was. That the rest of the group. Would follow them. To the hotel. And then they would go in. After them. And ambush them. But it did not go. To plan. At all. So what happened was. Maddox picked up Taylor. In his car. And while he was driving. To the hotel. He realised. That the other group. Were behind them. Following them. So. A couple of different things. I read. Said that he spotted them and he put his foot down and started driving erratically and all this stuff to try and evade them. Now, the thing is, though, is that the only person you'd be able to get that information from is Crazy Crazy Taylor. Yeah. So I don't know if that's true. All I know is the only thing that is definitely true is that at one stage while driving, Taylor took out her gun, put it to his temple and shot him in the head while they were still moving. So she managed to Tom Cruise it, though, and jumped out of a moving vehicle. Oh, left him Christ. to uh left him to crash further on down the street. Um which made him their officially their fourth victim, third murder. Yeah. In this rampage. Um so she got into the car with the others and they hightailed it out of there. They spent the rest of Christmas Day staking out an ATM to try and get their next victim, hoping that somebody would show up to withdraw cash and that they would basically rob them and kill them or just mm-hmm. rob them chances are they'd probably kill them before they, they were going to kill them near too, money. They, they, yeah but chances are they probably it. weren't waiting for money at all they probably would just kill them but nobody showed up thankfully and they ended up spending the night sleeping in Wilkerson's car in the nearby parking lot so the morning of the 26th the group pulled into a into a gas station to steal another car they decided they wanted to have a second car for driving yeah, around and doing their thing. Yeah, yeah. So they spot a woman putting air into the tires of her Dodge Shadow. So they approached the woman at gunpoint. And luckily, instead of doing freezing racing, she just ran. She pulled Smart like woman. GTA, Good. NPC, just. Yes, that's what you do. Get gone. the fuck out. She would report her car stolen, though. Right? Smart. So because. My question is wait. Hmm? What happened to the dude who got shot four times in the leg? Did he not com- talk to the police? From what I can okay, see, that's... no. <laughs> that's, 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 that's another thing. Is There's never any mention of him ever going to the police. Are you no serious? Snitching. Yeah, chances no are. He could have been... Yeah, but it's that. But no like, God, For all we know, there could have been drugs involved or anything like that as well, yeah. where he would have been in shit himself. And like, God only knows the circumstances behind exactly why. Um, what's his he face? Uh, thing shot him. Um, uh, Smith, Demarcus Smith. God only knows what it might have been a jealousy thing or a few thing because of being the ex or could have been anything. But I'd say there was more to it than that. Like you know, like if he had gone off and ratted them out, he probably shit himself. Then maybe that, yeah, yeah this whole snitching yeah. thing. But anyway, um, so because 
they were fully aware that this woman was after getting away and they could potentially call the cops. They swapped the license plates around on the two cars to try and confuse the police. They're still stolen. (laughs) But they don't normally know the other car is stolen, though. They will eventually. They don't know yet. That's the thing, right? And so. if the police, if the police run here behind you, they just run your plates randomly for no fucking reason, other than they have nothing better to do. And it comes up as the plates are on the wrong car. Ooh. You're still gonna get fucking pulled over. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> so they swap. So they swap. Yeah, yeah. So they swap the plates anyway, and they drive to a mini market, small family-owned grocery store, mm-hmm. and one of these corner bodega type things. I think it was from pictures sure. I saw. Um, and they chose this as a location for their next robbery. I liked the way it, uh, everything I looked up was as they would stated that they were choosing it to rob, yet they have not really committed much of a robbery here at all yet. Yeah, yeah they've got um, Yeah, so Taylor entered, entered the premises first to scope it out as a potential target. So working behind the count- counter was a woman called Sarah Abraham. She was a mother of three and she like I said she was working there when suddenly she was shot twice in the head. Jesus Christ. King and Smith walked in and Keane just shot her straight away. He just walked in the door and just shot her twice in the head. Um, Keane then opened fire on the rest of the store where there was a 67-year-old Jones Pettis and 71-year-old Jimmy Thompson were customers in the store at the time. Thompson was lucky, um, was the luckiest one to sue them as they completely missed him with the shots. Um, but he pretended to, he went dropped to the ground and pretended he was gone and played possum. Um, I mean, in your seventies, you don't really have a whole lot of other choices. <laughs> <No>. um, <laughs> I mean, Pettis survived uh, his wounds, but obviously Sarah would not. Um, yeah. Two to the head, yeah, I would be surprised. Yeah. So, still having doubts about their two friends from the night before. Uh, Cottrell and Washington, the group decide to invite the two of them to hang out. <laughs> I like how Dan just looks at the camera, just like, really? Oh, yeah, that's a that's a constant theme, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, just, so, just like... you just witnessed them shooting one of your friends, you know. Yeah. Um, anyway, so they decided to have some drinks. Apparently they're having a couple of some beers and cheap ass wine and they were driving around the place um, when Keane announced that he needed to stop to relieve himself. So they pulled into a nearby gravel yard. Oh God. Now, alarm bells are ringing. So, Nothing good ever happens in an abandoned gravel yard. Ever. Nothing. And I'll tell you a couple of really bad things that are about to happen in the <laughs> gravel yard. And one of them is not Keane urinating. I'll <laughs> tell you that much. <laughs> So, Keane and Smith forced Cottrell and Washington out of the car. Keane placed his gun into Cottrell's mouth and pulled the trigger, killing her instantly. Smith, meanwhile, just straight up murdered Washington as well. So, they just separated the two of them and shot the two of them. Um, so, they stole some of their personal effects and left. So, these effectively were the fifth and sixth um, victims, I believe. Or maybe, hold on, maybe I got my numbers wrong. Because the old guy in the shop got shot, but he didn't die. He didn't so, yeah. Die. One, two. Uh, shot the friend. He lived. Tried to yeah. gonna sh- probably shoot that lady, but she ran. Yeah, they shot the woman behind the counter. That's four. Shot the guy in the shop. That's five. 
so technically six and seven are these two. But but they're deaths. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still mystified so, that these people didn't get caught by the police. Yet. These, luckily enough, though, were their final victims. So at the time. The police were completely unaware of the fact that the bodies and the victims that they were finding around the place at this stage um, were related or, and they did not know that they were related to the car theft that had been reported. And basically a police sergeant would spot a suspicious Dodge Shadow which matched the description of a stolen vehicle except the plates did not match. Upon running the plates he discovered that they were from a different car. Girl, so he figure. called it in. <laughs> so he called it in. Um, and because it was known to have been held up at gunpoint, they he called in other units and they, unbeknownst to the group, managed to box them in and then basically surrounded them and got them to pull in so that they stopped any chance of there being a chase. Sure. So, like I said, seeing as they're completely unaware that the bodies of the victims and the car were related at all, what this sergeant thought was just simply conduct, conducting a stop for Grand Theft Auto but he actually unwittingly and unknowingly stopped what was actually one of the biggest murder sprees the city had ever seen Yeah. Um, the posse except for Smith gave up peacefully he ran away but he would soon be caught he just literally pegged it on foot into shoot him in the house. legs yeah he just pegged it off yeah yeah <laughs> Just shoot him in the um, <laughs> it wouldn't be until later though that the police would actually put everything together um, the victims weren't related in any way shape or form so they didn't have any idea that these were even yeah, involved it, in the murder like, fucking crazy so um, the killings were completely random and the only connection they actually had were shell casings left behind from Keane's gun at each scene yeah. so when they managed to match those up match them up with Keane's gun basically yeah because of the plates being from Wilkinson's car and they ended up finding the stolen car they went to Wilkinson's home um, which is where they ended up finding finally, fi- finally finding his corpse mm-hmm. and there was an anonymous tip that led them to discovering Cotrell and Washington in the gravel yard and it was believed that the tip may have come from a priest whom Taylor confided in when she was locked up oh so, okay so it was after the fact okay yeah okay so in the prosecution Smith and Taylor were treated as minors as they were 16 and 17 fuck that and therefore would not be able to receive the death penalty fuck that Smith pulled the trigger in two of the murder cases and once more in one of the assaults in the case of Richard Maddox and Taylor pulled the trigger in three of the six accounts of uh, assault and or murder yeah um, Matthews made a deal with the prosecution in order to avoid the death penalty she's 20 years old all three of them are currently serving life sentences Like so, so, yeah, so Smith, Taylor and Matthews are currently serving life sentences with Matthews currently appealing it um, as she never actually pulled the trigger in any of the murders or any of the assaults oh, fuck she off. was an accomplice due to peer pressure according to herself now considering the fact that one of them was a 16 year old a 17 year old a 19 year old who she wasn't even in a relationship with a 19 year old and she's the oldest of a lot of them and she's given them the fucking peer pressure fuck get over yourself you know yeah like seriously <laughs> um, so Keane would receive sentence of the death penalty after being convicted of five murders 
He Makes was sense. executed via lethal injection in 2009 after 17 years of imprisonment and multiple appeals. So considering the point of the entire thing was to allegedly just rob people. Rob. Yeah. Right? Well, the, the point at first was to rob one guy. Yep. <laughs> one guy. For and some they drama. didn't even do it. <laughs> yep. So considering that, here's what the group got away, made away with. Yeah, what's the spring. hall? Not counting the cars. Okay. Not counting the cars. Okay. The hall is around $50. A hairdryer. A necklace. Two pairs of shoes. A coat. And a microwave. The fuck did they get the microwave? From the first guy's house. <laughs> they just took it and walked out the door. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm thinking, did they... Was you one had it in the phone booth. Was lady in <laughs> the phone booth just holding a microwave? <laughs> hey, Mark, I got a new microwave. Hold on. <laughs> my yeah. God. Oh, my God. So, on a dosis endeth the rampage of the idiot posse. Jesus Christ. Kids, if you're bored, play a game. Yeah. Oh, play D&D. Play D&D. Play D&D. <laughs> play D&D. <laughs> Make a dick <laughs> necklace, Listen, like, dude. Yeah, like, yeah. like, when we were anxious, we'd, like, we'd, like you know, like, listen to Creed or something, guys, you know? <laughs> I want to be Jesus. put on the record where I would say, do not listen to Creed. <laughs> no, you're Dwight. Don't worry. Don't listen to Creed. That's, that, that'll probably get you to commit the murders. Yeah, go put uh, go put some pennies on a train rail. Track. Uh, a railroad no, track. Not derailed a train, though. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, who knows? Maybe you Find won't something kill. else to do. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Murphy. Kill. But see, that's a... It's it's weird how a lot of these people get caught because there's so many famous like serial killers and mass murderers that get caught by accident because they get pulled stupid over for things. something stupid and it's like, yeah. hmm, you have a body in the back of your car. That's yeah. not come to prison. Now. That's not normal. Yeah, <laughs> that is some weird ass. Like Jeez. that is some stupid. That's like that's that's childish. Yeah, I mean, they were. Sorry, go ahead. Well, let's just say they were, well, we need some drama. We need something to do. Let's go rob somebody. Every single one of them had it in their head that they wanted to kill somebody. Because oh, yeah. you don't go from, let's rob this one guy, to let's go to targeting some people on a well, citywide murder spree yeah. over Christmas. Uh, just because. No, they, they, this was something that they wanted to do. It's like, Every was it Horrible week. Bosses? Was that the one where they planned to kill yeah. the judge's bosses? Yeah. Really like that, but it's like all their exes and stuff. Like, But that thing is, so yeah. like where I got the briefs for the two stories that I'm doing, right? Where from, mm-hmm. sorry, from the website, thegrunge.com. Okay. They had a list of all these different stories of uh, different things that happened around Christmas and stuff. And I read about two lines of this one. I went, no. Oh, Gonna look this up now. I have to look this up. This is just ridiculous. Like this is, I can just tell straight away as like this is just going to be stupid and pointlessly violent and ridiculous. Like you know, yeah, it's like like if you think about the poor, like the woman in the phone booth is the most random one of the whole lot. They knew everybody else that they actually killed. Sure. Right. Um. Yeah. Like the whole thing though of like the. Fully grown well, did they know? Going off to did... have sex with a sixteen-year-old, like yeah, that, that I was thinking about that. That's a bit like, fucked up, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, but even take take that aside, you know what I mean, like that. Like just just going and just make a phone call, and some random guy just walks up and shoots you, like it's just fuck. 
living in America. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, yeah, do their friends just unlucky to be where they were that night? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't think go to a party with your friends, you're going to be witness shot in the and then you end up being murdered. But for... then you go back out with them. Yeah, that's, yeah, well, that's they, they, look how young they were. They're obviously very impressionable. They're obviously wanted to. They're hanging out with the, the downtown posse. You know, they wanted to be cool guys. You know, Still, that was a peer pressure thing God. right there of hanging out with them. Was it they were like fourteen and sixteen or something like that, oh hanging around God. with these guys? You know, hanging around with all these adults that were all around, like you know, drinking and probably smoking and yeah. Oh, cool shit. Yeah, so they're gonna suppose. they're gonna want to jump into their quite obviously stolen and blood covered car to go off and drive into oh. a fucking quarry or whatever the hell it was. You know, say so, yeah, hey, you no, didn't I'm have good. this car yesterday. This looks an this looks an awful lot like uh, you know that guy that uh, works for General Motors down there. Um, yeah, kind of looks a bit let's like Let's put him a gravel pit, guys. Come on, yeah. let's go. <laughs> No, 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 no. I have to go piss. I have to go piss. Let's go to the gravel pit. If anybody ever suggests you stop in a gravel pit, you get out of the car, you run. Just run. Run. Because nothing good is going to happen. Nothing good ever happens in an abandoned gravel pit. Oh, yeah, nothing. Nothing. Down at the gravel pit. There's a song, gravel pit. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say Wu-Tang Clan gravel pit. Yeah. I was thinking of there a second ago, yeah. Come on down to gravel pit or something like that. I can't... It's like, no thanks. Fuck you. Not a hope. Anyway. Oh, so well. yeah, that's 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 my story, guys. Yeah. Very good. Not good, but yeah. good job. Yeah, weird. You picked a, a great Christmas story, um, yeah. Dan. Mm, actually was a Christmas as well, so Yeah, it was yeah. Christmas. Alright. Uh, my holiday. Yeah, let's switch it up and let's take uh let's take a little tour of uh the far east. <laughs> Phil. Oh, God, this is going to be interesting. So, as we all know, Japan is kind of known for their wacky and zany uh, shows. Yes. Contests, if you will. You know, you have um, candy or not candy, where people bite into random household objects to see if it's candy. Uh Um, But there's one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, have you seen on the it. one where the people used to have to stand behind the partition and the the female would jerk the guy off as he's trying to sing and if you see if yeah. he could get through the whole song? Yeah, There's they're fucking one. weird. There's also the one with like a candy lace thing that they unravel. The girl can become nude or something. Very interesting. But yeah. we're going to talk about one of their darkest shows. It is a, it's a Truman-esque Truman Show-esque show. Uh, I'm going to destroy the name of it, and I apologize it, but it's... That's fine. I do Su- it all the time. Sanyu Deepan Showin. Okay? Um, this... Yeah, it's S-U-S-U-N-U exclamation mark D-E-N-P-A new word S-H-O-N-E-N New word. New word. Most people go space. New word. Yeah, new word. All right. Oh, <laughs> new word. <laughs> I've invented a new word, people. Um, so this show ran from 1998 to 2002 on the Nippon TV network. Uh, it is a season-long show. So they they find one person. They record the whole season. In one year, it's a, a full year, pretty much. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really uh, for their contestants are usually struggling, desperate comedians, because obviously those oh, people okay. yeah. can do the it's, most, it's, right? It's typical reality show. Just find some <sighs> yeah. used up, washed up comedian and throw a camera on them. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like you know, us. Either, Give me a call, Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Give a call. Maybe we can get on this show. Um, so some of the things were uh, two contestants were stranded on an island and had to make a raft, spending four months trying to escape in one season. Another had to hitchhike from South Africa to Norway. Jesus uh, Christ! <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Um, that's, that's a long fucking walk. Uh, there's another guy, uh, another contestant who had to sit in a room and watch his favorite, their favorite TV, uh, baseball team on TV. And if the team, uh, won, they got food. If they lost, they would be, uh, the electricity would be shut off in the room and a losing streak would mean starvation. Jeez, so if you get to eat, if your team wins, thank God he was not a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Oh, um, <laughs> 67 years um i'm sorry i had to as a comedian Dad, no, no. Dad doesn't assume, i assume they're shit they're not a good uh, baseball team oh. they're no, not even not a baseball a, team they're, they're a, a hockey team, team on top they're of not it not a good hockey team they haven't won since 1967 before the invention of uh no before the invention of color tv so yeah, they've actually won, won a game they've won games they, oh. they won games. They, just they haven't won, won a championship. Right, I was going to say, yeah, how could they? How could they games. keep themselves afloat in any way, shape, or form? <laughs> it's Toronto. It's just a whole bunch of rich people going to it, anyways. Yeah. Um, so this story takes uh, talks about a Fukushima-born comedian Tomaki Hamatsu, better known on the show as Nasubi, which. Um, I'll explain what that kind of nickname comes by because they gave him a nickname because this is torturous. Um, okay. He was spo- he was forced to stay alone in a- and unclothed, so no clothing, in a tiny apartment secluded from the outside world with only piles and piles of magazines until he won a combined million yen, which is about 10,000 US dollars. So he was stuck in a room, unclothed, and had to fill out sweepstakes. Oh, oh right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was like, how did you win the one million? <laughs> yeah. So sorry, it was with uh, yeah, totaling in totals from regularly applying to various magazine sweepstakes. He could Ooh. only survive on what he won from those mail-in sweepstakes. Initially, oh painting the show as a unique experiment that may or may not air on television, producers convinced Nasubi to believe that he would. He was self-recording his day-to-day experience for further review when in reality, his most confident moments were broadcast for the whole world to see and make fun of. Yeah. <laughs> so were they actually legit like magazine things where like he had to actually enter proper competition? It wasn't yeah. like they were just randomly pulling ones. They're like, oh yeah, he won a bowl of pasta. No, no, no. He, he, was, he was forced. Over the 15 months... <laughs> It took 15 months. Uh, the guy spent writing letters into publications where he could win prizes, roughly 1400 a week, being taunted and mocked in different ways, like by a series of food delivery men with aromatic, uh, with aromatic meals that were intended for him. This somehow managed to entice fans around the country. Like, he was tortured 
with food. Oh, you can't have it. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, yeah, but nothing worse. Yeah, imagine you're sitting starving. <coughs> and smell like a cheeseburger. Uh-huh. Or you see some guy um, walking past it. Yeah, just eating a cheeseburger. Yeah. Um, this show, this 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 series broke records, becoming the most watched series in Japan's history, with a total of seventeen million viewers on each Sunday night. God in a country damn. with a, you have to remember, this is a country with a third of the population of the U.S. Yeah. Fuck. Double that, doubling the average rating from HBO's hit high fantasy show Game of Thrones. Those 17 million people would watch this man's life be destroyed in real time. And the rest of our lives were destroyed in real time at the last season of Game, Game Thrones. of Thrones. So yeah, all, pretty much. So it's a fair. It's a fair. It's, yeah, it's full circle. Gonna, full circle. I was going to say, like, about, like, before, um, I, I was going to be kind of slightly appalled there for a second. Then I remembered that this is also the same country that you can buy used pairs of underwear in vending machines. Vending so, machines. Yeah. yeah. So... His story started when, with the producer stripping him of his clothes on his back and any supplies of food, as well as any mode of contact with the outside world. Okay, except for he, except for the sweepstakes, he was. Like, yeah. He so. Was Nas, Nasubi is uh, the Japanese word for eggplant. That's why he so was nicknamed a, that. So he's just a cack. <laughs> yeah, he's just a cack. Yeah, so because of his nudity, they put an animated eggplant in front <laughs> for the audience. They also mocked his face because it does look like a uh, an eggplant. He has a very long face. Well, why did they long. get him naked in the first place then? Because I have no think idea. That he, if he doesn't just, just extra human. Yeah. But, he, but, he's supposed, but, he, but as far he, as he's concerned, he's on his own. Nobody can see because him. Because if, if he wanted clothes, he'd have to win him in a sweepstakes. Yeah. Ah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 You, you um, want pants? Go with him, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. So the only thing that really kept part. him, quote unquote, sane was the magazines he was looking for for sweep straight entries, sweepstake entry forms. So much hustler. Um, just. Yeah. Yeah. It's like um, extreme coupon nearly... Japan edition. Yeah. Uh, for one year, uh, for nearly one year, Nasubi lived in front of the camera as if existing within a found footage horror film, with the only possessions being those he won from the sweepstakes. Starving at first, but he mani- then managed to live off of things like a bag of rice or even just a large supply of dog food for extended periods of time. Oh, God. Yeah. Legally, um, it has throughout... to be fit for human consumption. Yep. <laughs> okay. Throughout. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. <laughs> So, throughout the whole show, he thought he was being recorded, and it would be edited for his daily life, um, and rebroadcast at a later date. What he didn't know was his it was live streaming, coupled with silly sound effects, mocking and making fun of him as he wept, screamed, and generally went mad, which, understandable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. He never won clothes, aside from some panties which were too small for him to fit, or for too small for him to wear. Thank God, because what would have happened? Um... After he reached his goal of 335 days of having won enough items with a combined volume of a million yen, uh, he was led to believe that he had won a special trip for surviving the year. He was abruptly blindfolded by producers and moved to a new location, South Korea, where he would have to win enough. He would have to win enough earning, uh, uh, win enough earnings in order to f- get a flight back to Japan. 
<laughs> Jesus Christ. Wait, the wait. South, the South Koreans just like, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> wait. He was placed in yet another secluded apartment where he was asked to take off his clothes and instructed to enter more sweepstakes. But being a pro by then, he, and and after a bit of a breakdown, <laughs> as you can imagine, he went all in and was able to win enough prizes to afford the tickets within a matter of weeks. The production producers didn't like this, of course, so they changed the rules and forced Nasubi, uh, Nasabi, or Nasubi, to be able to afford first class tickets. Because like, wait, only a few weeks? No, fuck this. We need you to get first class now. But he, be- he beat the odds and made the money in a matter of weeks again. He was able to fly back home to Japan. But again, he was taken to another secluded apartment. In despair and his resignation, Nasubi began to take off his all his clothes without instructions. Suddenly, the walls of the apartment abruptly collapsed. Revealing a live studio audience filled with cheering audience members. Obviously being confused by the whole thing, Nasubi didn't understand that millions of people were watching his story unfold for the past year and a half as he was unaware that the show had even aired. No, he's thinking, have they been out there the whole time? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder um, if I could hear, I thought I had a laughing track this whole time. Yeah, uh, he obviously suffered mental and emotional trauma. Yeah. Um, being stripped of your clothes for a year, only able to eat certain type of food, the communication. Uh, yeah, this 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 was huge. He um, he lost weight. Uh, well, yeah, if you can only eat the stuff he wins until he starts he would, eating the magazines. He engaged in conversations with stuffed animals. Being, he imagined being teachers uh, at an attempt to uh, save his sanity. Um, but he he just deteriorated nearly as bad as a schizophrenic. He's Tom yeah. Hanks from fucking Castaway yeah. talking to inanimate Pretty much, yeah. So. Um, there is a quote. Give me a second here. Um, it's in Japanese, though, so we can't do <laughs> no, it's Yeah, it's in Japanese. <laughs> Give me a second here. No, Everything was harsh and every day was like hell back then, uh, Nasubi told Style Korimia. Uh, the hardest thing was not being able to see and talk with anybody. My mental condition was at its worst. I was like, why only me? Why do I have to do all these things? I'd rather die than feel like this. Although I seemed, uh, I seemed looked like I was having fun most of the time on the edited show, to me it was full of pain. Yeah, well, they um, edited it to make it look like it's all fun and games, but in reality this guy's fucking dying on the inside you gotta think after going that long without wearing clothes clothes are gonna start to feel i mean you're gonna put on clothes start feeling suffocating you they're they're, they're, you're gonna be itchy all the time you're gonna be one of those weird naked people so wait he's always naked he's just yeah it's just oh it's nasubi he's just a naked dude um here's what's more revealing the producer's inability to publicness other than his nakedness. It's more revealing yeah. other than the eggplant emoji. Yeah. Uh, the producer was unable to publicly say that he regretted the show being created or anything he did to Nasubi while downplaying the mental strain these experiences had on the lives of contestants who were sexually abused in one instance, nearly died as a result of suffering from dehydration in another. God damn. Instead, he tries to explain his actions by glorifying his work noting that each experiment was an ex- a miracle to be caught on film. 
Yeah. So, do you remember my word of wisdom thing where I said about not doing stupid shit in Russia? Uh-huh. Don't sign don't up for doing a TV show in Japan. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much <laughs> number two. All you can think of is uh, the Simpsons episode where they got to they sign up for a game show well, this, to try to get home. Yeah, this show pretty much it, it yeah. mentions that the reality show is uh, based on a, uh, Simpsons as well as Black Mirror, the White Bear episode. Yeah. Uh, he received no treatment. Uh, wait, um, hold on. The star, uh, following the show's conclusion was a household name in Japan, having been thoroughly and non-consensually cast in the public eye, with his fate as a reality star decided for him. He was left to navigate an equally high-pressure, stressful, anxiety-induced set of circumstances once the show concluded, with most reality shows now strictly obligated to offer psychological support and assessment following a contestant's involvement. He didn't receive any such treatment and was left to fend for himself in an environment that contained remnants of the sword Black Mirror White Bear. So, I mean, was he, like, um, able Squid to games. sue him afterwards and make, get some money off of it? or? or... Well, he, he had an uphill battle. He recovered. Um, he w- found himself overheating in clothes. Um, yeah. it, and in 2016, a good thing happened. He was able to climb Mount Everest after attempting Dang four it. other times. Um, and during Assuming a talk naked. in 20... Naked yeah. the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, was, just... he kept going naked. Um... Just stuck this way. Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> but it during a to- way <laughs> it, It's going... We go right way. Um, in a talk in 19, uh, 2017, uh, he attributed the achievement of scaling the Himalayas uh, to the giant mental fortitude he built up on the show. A statement that is concurring a damning indictment of the inhumane conditions he was put through, put under, but an indirect way of turning a negative into a positive. Yeah, God, I read damn. this. I read this. Like, I was looking for torture things, and I couldn't find anything. And then I'm like, Japanese torture, right? Let's go across the world, because North America... <laughs> Listen, you if you see... ever need any torture, we found out. <laughs> if you ever need any Japan. horrifying torture stories, just look go up to Japan. Japan. Yep. Japan, uh, Japan reality show. But yeah, like that—that that is insane. Think like just thinking about being stuck in a room with like, if I had clothes, cool. Like without clothes, being filmed. Like holy no, pro- oh my god. That's kind of like what you want to do for a living, though. The whole time, Phil, just sitting there, <laughs> <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you with your whiteboard, <laughs> me and my whiteboard, some some emoji plants and a penis, uh, penis necklace. Yeah, that's all I want in life. Uh, you just imagine. Phil's in, Phil's in this, and they're like three months in, and they bring him a pair of headphones and a microphone, and then leave, and he just starts talking to the wall, <laughs> podcasting, creating my wall, own podcast, telling the wall how it can be an entrepreneur. <laughs> so we're here with my with uh, Elephanty, um, Elephanty. How did you become an entrepreneur? <laughs> and they just pose over, and it's just a stuffed elephant. Like, really? You don't say. Well. <laughs> Oh my god, that's a family like, guy episode. Uh, Show me potato salad. <laughs> Should we just leave? Can we just walk away? Yeah, let's just walk away. God damn it. Oh my god. Like, that is insane. I feel sorry for oh, that guy. Man. But see, yeah, that, that is they go hard over in Japan. Here in America, there'd be lawyers and you know, there's laws. That's why there's yeah. laws. There'd yeah, but like I was gonna say, yeah, there, everybody's over there. Seems to be batshit crazy, so gorgeous and yeah. Yeah. Listen, they are one of the most advanced and yet not 
countries in the world when it comes to stuff like yeah. that like you know like when it comes to the technology and an art like like japan is living in the next century beyond the rest of us in terms of an awful lot of stuff that they do and what they have yeah but then you look at some of this shit <laughs> you kind of say yourself, society like, wise they're they're still in the uh 1700s um, but technology wise they're in like the 32nd century yeah, and convenience wise and everything yeah it's yeah. just crazy the way things are over there but yeah i don't know okay with um uh you know <laughs> sharing someone uh well you remember in the nan in, in our nan king series where we talked about how uh we went over there to try to convince them to you know open up their borders and we're going over there with warships and they're still fighting people with bow and arrows and, and sticks, you know, yeah, and then it, within the course of like 50 years, throwing Nintendos at people. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They, I mean, they had advanced as much as anybody else throwing Samsung phones and explosives. I was going to say, no, no, that'd be Korea. <laughs> well, that'd be throwing Samsung Korean, phones. That's Korean, I was going to say, they'd be throwing the, you know, the Nokia's, no, the old block up, Nokia's. Sorry, that's okay. what they do. <laughs> They Nokia's, literally, yeah. they literally cover all of their military ships in those old Nokia's or Nokia's. Right, <laughs> yeah, you, you and they're like, oh no, here come the indestructible just, Japanese vessels. Yeah. Say what if the Titanic would have had some Nokia's on it? We'd be, we'd be <laughs> doing memorials for the iceberg. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that just oh goes because Japanese games again. That's the thing is the fucking Japanese game shows go hard. Like you don't win. Unless you win, that's that's yeah, what I you hate have to about earn like it. the American Ninja Warrior and all that shit. They've bastardized it because it's whoever gets the furthest, the fastest, you're the winner. I'm fucking Ninja Warrior in Japan, <laughs> Japan you only survives. win unless you get to the very top of the thing and don't fall off and die. All right, that's the only way you win. How many fucking seasons do they have where they had no winner? All right, so or I Takeshi's Castle that. is that that's Japanese as well, isn't it? Yeah, the, the, the most impossible game show ever like it's just it's just ridiculous mx mx tx no mx px i can't remember they 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 did a version of it here in america where they took p2 uh they took (laughs) (laughs) they took old episodes of that show and put and then cut them down and got comedians to dub over the voices to say just the weirdest fucking shit and i'll send you an episode of it so it is do hilarious and i and only that show they only had like three winners for the entire stretch of the of the show and i think they're bringing it back is yeah, that the yeah, one where they have the rock that just rolls down yes that's one of the things of yeah way. my favorite ones when they have to run through the doors come out of nowhere just knock knock your ass off and yeah yeah that you know. that downhill thing going through the doors is my favorite one where it could be a solid brick wall you could fall through into a load of water it could be uh-huh. a monster on the other side that grabs uh-huh. you like my favorite is when people hit the walls because it's just like, <laughs> it's like, it's like they start off. With, each episode starts off with like two hundred people, and they whittle it down to like three who were left to try to get up, and none of none of them make it. I think like I said, they only yeah. had like three winners in the whole fucking thing. It's like oh that, God. you know, that oh, video geez. game. The oh God, what's the name of it? Fall Guys. I have to look it up. It's Fall Guys. Yeah, I think it's Fall Guys. Yeah, yeah, it's like Fall Guys. Yeah. I say, but less crazy. What oh. Fall Guys is less crazy than you don't die. <laughs> How do you know, dude? Have you ever seen any of those people afterwards? <laughs> no. Dan, I have a confession to make. I have crabs. 
beard dandruff. It's close. <gasps> so much worse. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Look away, I'm hideous. All serious. All, <laughs> all serious. <laughs> all serious. <laughs> all serious. Me serious now. No funny. No <laughs> Frankenstein. No fire. Bad. Ah. In all seriousness, many of us men with facial hair have some sort of dry skin under their you know, face fur. I I have particularly dry skin, uh, especially on my face, around my nose, my eyes, ears. That beard and mustache, they draw a ton of moisture from your skin in order to stay healthy, leaving the skin underneath sometimes dry, itchy, red, flaky, leading to... Uh, the beard dandruff. And I struggled with it for quite a while. Struggled to, you know, rein it in. Then I found thebeardstruggle.com. They use all natural products, never tested on animals, that your face, body, and beard will love. They have day oils to protect your beard from UV rays and dirt and grime, and it keeps your skin from drying out. All the troubles the day can bring. And they have night oils to help moisturize and rejuvenate your skin and beard while you sleep. Not to mention, as of right now, they have eight different fragrances, according, Kevin, according to this. That's what they tell me. That's what they tell me. Do you want to know what they are? I do. I want you to to pronounce them perfectly. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Here we go. Ready? Okay. Yeah. From Alfheim's Forest, which has the scent of woodsy leather and spices, to... Heonir's home. Sense of greenery, amber, and musk. To Valhalla's gates. With essences of citrus, amber, sandalwood, and vanilla. Mm-hmm. And right now, yes, right now I'm using the Aesir's Triumph, which I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, which has the scent of sweet incense, tobacco, whiskey, and cinnamon. And my wife absolutely loves it. Of course, I haven't gotten one from them they haven't loved, that she hasn't loved. So, And if you can't choose, just get the sample pack, which comes with six of their mainstay scents and five milliliter bottles of nighttime elixir, so you can decide what is best for you. But they have so much more than just oils. Balms, wax, shampoo, conditioner, butters, cologne, natural deodorant, skincare products, heated beard straighteners, combs, brushes, shaving kits, growth kits, merch, list goes on and on and on. No matter what kind, length, or style of facial hair you have, the Beard Struggle has the products you need. You get a free gift for purchases over $50, and you get another free gift for purchases over $100, and all orders over $65 US get free shipping. You have a 90-day money-back guarantee, so you really have nothing to lose. And be sure to use our exclusive coupon code TORTURE19 at checkout to get 19% off your entire order. That's T-O-R-T-U-R-E-19 at checkout for 19% off your entire order. TORTURE19 at checkout or click on the link in the show notes. TheBeardStruggle.com. Do what's right for your beard. Do what's right for your face. All right. Well, now that we're now that we've covered, I don't even know what to really say about that. Uh, Dan, you got one last one in you. I do. I do indeed. The subject of my second story is nothing to do with Japan 
Thank Christ, but we are going back across the de- goddamn United States of America. Yeah. Yeehaw! To the wonderful state of Kentucky. Really where they actually do the yeehaw, so. Yeah. Yay, I got it right! <laughs> got it, yeah. So, in the year 1881, in Ashland, new word, Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a running gag now, I love it. Time we message one another. I'm not even playing yeah. spaces anymore. I'm just gonna write a write a word and then put new word, then write a word, and then put new word. It's gonna take me many months to type out a message. A new word. The new word. Spaceship. New word. If you have an iPhone, you can you can set it up so it automatically points it so it takes you less time. Just double hit uh, space bar. I mean, like one of my Still aunts. Period. My, the first time one of my aunts got a phone, she texted me, and she didn't know how to do the space, so it was all just ampersand. <laughs> so it was literally hello ampersand Daniel ampersand hello ampersand R ampersand you hello and Dan and R <laughs> and and you and Jesus. Anyway. <sighs> All right, um, let's give this story the respect it right. deserves because I, I read a little bit of it and it's horrifying. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. This, this, this is the clean version of some of it too. That's the thing. Like it's, um, oh, okay. Um, because uh, some of it was just like I'm not putting some. Like I'll, I'll, I'll explain. Anyway, sorry. So, <laughs> go ahead. 1881, Ashland, Kentucky. A Mrs. J. W. Gibbons leaves her family home on the 23rd of December, leaving her 18-year-old son Robert who was a crippled boy who had lost one of his legs in a railroad accident, her daughter Fanny, who was 14 years old at the time, and their neighbour's daughter Emma Cariso, otherwise known as Emma Thomas due to her stepfather's surname, being Thomas or Cariso, I couldn't nail it down which one, so anyway, we keep her as Cariso, um, only to return on Christmas Eve to find her home burned to the ground and all three children dead. Emma's mother, lived next door, noticed the flames coming from the house that her daughter was over visiting at around 5 or 6 a.m. on Christmas Eve. They sounded the alarm and neighbours rushed to the home and managed to remove the three children, not knowing when they entered the house, obviously, that they would find them having already been murdered. Physicians who arrived on the scene examined the bodies to discover that all three children had their skulls smashed in and which they determined to be the official cause of death. And further evidence showed that two of the girls had been brutally sexually assaulted. They concluded well, that... Hmm? Go ahead. So the, the evidence of, of them being sexually assaulted, that would take a, a you know, a, a bit of invasiveness, but... Oh, yeah, no, no, they... Evidence to, to know that their heads were smashed in? I oh, mean, no, well, like, they... Do you really have to look over the bodies and be like... I that's think... the thing though as far as I'm aware with all these sort of things they officially like if, if you or I went over and went hey his head smashed in this how he died they were not officials we can't officially we can't make that. that call yeah so they called that there and then and it was after further examination and it's not like they were sitting it's not like they dragged him out and then went you know like they Jesus. they followed all the proper a... protocols apparently for 1800 <laughs> for Wild West yeah, yeah like, the person's just dying there. There's a rock on their head. I think he died from a bullet wound. Yeah, yeah well, my my <laughs> no my assumption as to how they could possibly tell straight off the bat 
would be blood. Yeah. 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 Realistically, because Plus it all got burnt away. I mean, how the word, up were they? Not really. That's the thing as well, yeah, right? Okay. So, um, back, they know, we'll concluded that the fire was lit in order to cover the crimes. All right. So, um, yeah, I get onto the whole thing about the fire in a bit. So, a U.S. state marshal by the name of Heflin and a detective. Where was Heflin? The no. Anyway, U.S. state marshal I have down here is by the name of Heflin. And a detective who was dispatched from Ohio by the name of J.B. Norris, yeah, to get them the right way around, were assigned to the case. And Norris quickly jumped to the assumption that it was the Gibbons's father, John Gibbons, um, who was mainly absent from their lives, that had conducted the heinous crimes. Um, but he was exonerated on the 31st of December. He was yeah, found right. to have been in a remote area of West Virginia, and he had yeah, proof that he was there at the time. So. Yeah, if he's not in their lives, why would he come murder three kids? Well, no, he kind of is and he isn't. They just got on better living separately and he, you know, but he wasn't really around too often. So, anyway. Right. Um, so, Phil, what happened on the night of December 23rd, 1881 in Ashland? I hear you ask. Yes. Oh, I'm asking. I thought you were asking him. No. I like, I don't know. No, no. I wasn't I'm there. Tell you. Don't worry. <laughs> I was All... I was not even a gleam in my grandfather's eye at that point. <laughs> so all was revealed when a man by the name of George Ellis entered a general store to buy a cigar. He was a regular customer and known to the owner, Mr. Powell, who struck up a conversation with Ellis, stating that John Gibbons had been exonerated, and he was curious who Ellis thought might have committed the act. Ellis allegedly turned pale, began to tremble, and then ran out of the store, but he was muttering something to do with state evidence when he left. So Ellis apparently walked around the streets for hours, and eventually he made his way to the hotel where Marshall Heflin was staying. He informed Heflin of the events that unfolded under the remit that he would receive a lesser punishment under state's evidence, which apparently dictates that anyone guilty of a crime could inform on others involved in it in a bid to appeal for a lesser sentence than the other guilty parties. Well, sure. So basically, snitch on your compadres and partners yeah, in crime. You cut a deal, yeah. You cut a deal, you get a lesser sentence. Yeah. So, there were... So basically, the marshal had been through this sort of thing before, knew well what to do. He got a, a stenographer down, he got a witness in, also to take a statement directly from Ellis. There were two versions of a statement written. Um, one of them is a more graphic. The one one of them was more graphic. One of them was kind of changed up a little bit to not be quite as graphic. So this the, the not quite as graphic one is the one that I'm reading out, which is uh, apparently yeah, this is one of the two records taken by the stenographer. Uh, but I can't guarantee that this is one hundred percent exactly what was written by the stenographer. But anyway, um, so. What Ellis allegedly stated was a few evenings prior to the 24th I met Kraft which is a gentleman he knows who stated that he was going to see Fanny Gibbons and take her some black candy and that he was going to have intercourse with her. He wanted uh, me to come along. Now I don't know what black candy is. I'm assuming it's licorice. Black candy. No, I assume it's licorice. 
So, um, I'm hoping it is. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> it's like, what's wrong with? Maybe it? that's what he calls himself. It's all black. <laughs> the original black candy. Um. So at about midnight on the fatal night, we all started. Craft, Neil, and myself. Um. When, and when we got to the house, Craft raised the window with an old axe and stepped in first. Neil followed, and I stayed behind on the porch. And afterwards, I went in. Robbie, the eighteen-year-old cripple boy, was the first to arouse from bed and started to get up when Kraft said you had better lie still. Kraft then went to the bed where the two girls were sleeping and began to take improper liberties with them. Robbie said you had better stay away from there when Kraft hit him with the axe. He fell back on the lounge then plunged forward and fell fully six feet from the bed under the stairs where he was found. The girls screamed when Kraft jumped out um, the girls screamed when Kraft jumped onto the bed and they both said, George Kraft, what are you here for? Emma also started to jump from the bed when Neil choked her and uh, pulled her onto the floor. She fought him and he, uh, he fought, sorry, she fought him and I held her while he outraged her. Uh, Neil then struck her in the head with the big end of a crowbar and she died instantly after throwing up her hands. Kraft also had some trouble with Fanny and called on me to help him. He then outraged and killed her. Neil proposed killing the girls and after they were dead, I took some coal oil, poured it over the bodies, set fire to it with a match and we then left the house. So that's the end of his statement. Now, um, the thing is, though, is believed that when it comes to the oil thing, that it, they did find traces of coal oil on their garments sure. and that was set alight and was burns on it. But it didn't yeah. take, and it's thought that somebody then returned, and oh, then oh, lit fires okay. to the house. Saw that the saw that the house that didn't, didn't work catch on fire, and then like, went oh, back I gotta do it and again. just lit All the right. actual house on fire. Sure. So Ellis would also claim that um, the two perpetrators had made comments months before the incident, stating that they would have carnal communications with the girls before Christmas. Kraft and Neil, they both, they all worked together um, in like a brickyard or some shit. So Kraft and Neil were both arrested and taken to jail in Catlitzburg, which is about five miles away from town. Allegedly, all three were placed in the same cell overnight, which is a bit stupid. Um, yeah. The following day, surprise, surprise, Ellis renounced his confession, but it was all a little bit too late. He'd already gone down a record at that stage. Yeah. So while the arrests and confessions were not yet public knowledge, a small town word spreads like wildfire and very soon there was rumbles and talks of vigilante justice mm-hmm. so officials received reports of a mob being formed um, in Ashland with plans to raid the courthouse to seize the three prisoners the courts deemed that, that the three should be sent to Lexington to be jailed safely and made their way there via steamboat down the river but the mob had gotten word of this and a chase ensued they managed to basically get arrive in Lexington without incident. A river so boat two boats, chase? yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just, I just want to see a couple of people in their rowboats, you know, <laughs> running on the side with their buggies too, yeah. you know, just chasing after this rowboat, and they're like, "Oh dear God, they're catching, they're catching!" <laughs> going down the rocks. Put more steam on. Throw more steam. Yeah, put more, more steam. steam more coal. <laughs> pit maneuver. Pit maneuver. <laughs> 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 so they got ter- they got terrified of an incident. <laughs> There's like, just one kid. He throws out the stinger into the middle of the river. Stick <laughs> with one black guy on him. Just be like, 
We're in a story too. (laughs) (laughs) So, Neil and Kraft um, were brought back to Catlitzburg in January to stand trial. Neil was the first up. The prosecutions uh, prosecution brought very little evidence, as they had no evidence. They um, there were different accounts from different people as to the whereabouts from both the defense and the prosecutor's side from Neil's whereabouts at the time of the murders. But there were quite a few people coming forward to his defense, um, and that of the other man as well, um, Kraft, um, basically giving them alibis that they were miles away at the time of the murders. The prosecution's star witness, Ellis, took the stand. Having previously recanted his statement numerous times, he now recounted for a more graphic version of events, which entailed Kraft and Neil assaulting the girls in far more graphic detail. Hence, that's the thing I'm, thing I'm leaving yeah, out. It's really fine. fucking bad. Um, so We don't want to traumatise Phil too, too no, much. No, no. It's one of those things, honestly, it's one of those things I can... You can you can look it up like you know, but I was just sitting yeah. there kind of reading through, and I was like, you know what, the other thing you can read enough that. into it that you don't need to, yeah. but um, it gives yeah, it gives a far more far more graphic um thing as to what's after happening. So, well, Ellis's account of what happened anyway. So, several more days of trial ensued, which I find very strange because apparently they had no evidence. But anyway, so after a few days, on the sixth of February, eighteen eighty two, it took the jury only 17 minutes of deliberation to find Neil guilty and he was sentenced to hang on the 14th of February 1882. A few days later Kraft was also convicted and was sentenced to the gallows on the, for the same date. Ellis would then again recant his story a number more times changing it a lot. Yeah. One account he stated that he alone committed the murders that he had hired two coloured men to assist him. Ah, because right? they'll, go after, they'll go after the colored men instead of going after any other. So, yeah. on June 2nd, 1882, Ellis was found guilty, but he was given a life sentence as opposed to the death penalty due to his confession and the evidence of the conviction for Neil and Kraft. Ellis would not serve a day of this sentence, though, as at around midnight on the same night, a group of 20 men and black hoods ascended upon the jail and they entered by force. Ellis was taken back to Ashland where he was hanged on a sycamore tree near the scene of the murders. Apparently it was like two minute walk away from where the murders happened. Kraft yeah. and Neil would actually go on then to win a number of appeals and they would be permitted a retrial. Between Ellis's constant change of facts and statements and his wishy-washiness and the fact that it was all based purely based on his word and now, and now this seemed gone. to be the words of a madman. And now, <laughs> prosecution has no case. He's dead. Yeah. Um, many considered that the, for the two to be innocent. In June of 1882, and I just had this specifically down here for a reason in the where it said two black men were arrested and charged, um, were arrested by a black detective. Say that because okay. of the fact that then it wouldn't be taken as a racist thing that they just hunt out. So that was. I think the reason why they had it in it. But anyway, yeah. um, they were charged, but the charges were eventually thrown out. The arresting detective was then shot by a supporter of the accused. <laughs> right. 
(laughs) The case continued to drag on until the fall of 1882, and then a new trial began. Due to the threats of mob violence, now this is this is my this is my favorite part because it's like Red Dead Redemption shit right here if you've ever played it, right? So due to threats of mob violence it was deemed that a new venue should be sought for the trial so the plan was to transport Kraft and Neil via train um, but they quickly abandoned that plan when a Major Allen who was the commander of the militia that was put in charge of guarding the prisoners received word that a mob was mobilising to take them and that they were aware of their plans to go by train so they then again decided let's go by river up the old steamboat willy route right mm-hmm. As they were boarding the boat, a train arrived as the train line ran alongside along the river. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, from the direction of Ashland, which is the direction they'd have to go. So, if you imagine sitting on a river, right, where this Cat- Catlitzburg place is, let's just imagine that's south of Ashland for a minute. I don't know where it is. Down south along the river. That's where they're boarding. And from the north, coming towards them, then a train arrives. Carrying some 200 armed men and boys demanding that Neil and Kraft be handed over. The militia basically said fuck off, not a hope got on the boat and started sailing. But the thing is that they have to sail past past Ashland to get to where they're going. Right? So these 200 men and boys jump back on their train stick it in reverse start heading back towards Ashland. Did a U-turn. And spend this the entire <laughs> time <barriers>. back. <laughs> they spend the entire time back shooting at the boat. Right? Now, the militia do not return fire at all. They all take up cover and positions and they're all like, yeah, cool. Happy days. Let them do what they're going to do. They're putting it the broadside of a barn. Um, And as the boat... Yeah, as the boat was... Uh, as a steamboat as well. It's like, how do you miss yeah, the damn thing, right? Huge. Yeah. So... As the boat approached Ashland, about 20 men from the mob broke off and stole a ferry boat to try and intercept the steamboat, right? Because, you know, ferry boats are known for their speed. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) And as soon as they started, as soon as they got anywhere near the boat, the steamboat, and they started opening fire, the militia went, oh, screw this. And they stood up from their positions and rained down hell (laughs) upon them. A firefight broke out. Numerous people along the coast and in the town and the docks and all that stuff were outside, you know, were shot by accident by stray rounds. So people who were just going about their day-to-day lives <laughs> ended like... up getting shot. One person who ended up getting shot three times was the brother-in-law of one of the dead kids as well. Who oh my was, God. you know, I, and it was, yeah, and he was just there. Like, he wasn't there to, for mob justice. Like, you know, I mean, this guy was apparently, like, he, he was, was just, just doing his groceries. He was, yeah, he, what he was, like everybody else, I think he was there to see them pass by or some shit, but like wasn't there for like mob justice or whatever like that. But uh, hey, he what ended up getting a few straight around. It was a float um, by shooting. <laughs> it was a boat by shooting. <laughs> Slowly the steamboat ne- coming past. Like, <laughs> your new t-shirt should say, I survived a boat by shooting. Boat by, motherfuckers. So... <laughs> on February 23rd, 1883, though, Kraft was once again found guilty. And he, but he maintained innocence the entire time. 
well, he sure. was adamant that look, I didn't do this. And there's a lot of accounts and stuff that I read that looks like maybe they didn't. And that it was all just Alice and maybe somebody else or Alice being a fucking lunatic. Um, your man Neil was also found guilty. Um, so El- uh, Kraft was uh, hung on October 12th, 1883 and Neil was um, hung on the 28th of March, 1885. So, yeah. Jesus fuck. Kentucky in the 1880s. How many times do you think the word tar nation was screamed out? It's like, don't want to be chasing if you were chasing us. We weren't playing that chase music. But yeah, that, the, that's get, another. Um, get the band of, ready. God damn. Fucked up. Jesus. So I, I, from all the stuff that I read, oh, hello, Sooty. From all the stuff I read, I, funny thing is, just Alice was a complete and utter lunatic. Yeah. Um, and I assume that he was the, the one who did it. Um, and pinned it on two of the only people he knew that he could pin it on. So, I mean, and you know, b- back in the day when you know DNA evidence wasn't a thing, and I mean it was it was hard to pin anything on anyone without somebody actually being there. Yeah. Uh, it's honestly a smart way to get get out, get out of something. Be like, you hear about those kids that were killed? Uh, yeah, I know the guys who did it. It was my Stay twin brother. <laughs> so, or like the 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 twin brother thing we're saying in um when you're being exiled. Yeah, outlawing. <laughs> yeah, outlawing. Yeah. It's my twin yeah. brother. My twin. Yeah. <laughs> but me. the thing is, it was like yeah, there's a whole thing in in it as well where um I think it was Neil where oh my god Neil's wife was present um throughout all the stuff to do with the trial and she was like he was at home with me at the time yeah. he could not have done it he was. She was adamant like, and um, there was a couple of other people as well. Yeah, that were like they saw um, was a craft five miles away that night. Couldn't yeah. have been him at the time. And then somebody else said that they saw Ellis. Um, as as they dragged the bodies out, they saw Ellis in the crowd standing there right next to everything that was happening. Because the house had only started the light up with fire, it wasn't completely burned down. They left the let it burn, left it burning while they're bringing the kids Same out and stuff like that. But yeah, but apparently Alice was there when all that was going down. So that was the whole thing. I said is it, it was taught then that yeah somebody returned. So my assumption based on all that stuff is that Alice returned, they fired to the place, exited the building, and then people spotted it, went out, and he was yeah yeah. You know. I mean, just the fact that he kept changing his story. <sighs> I'll tell you what happened. They did this. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. Nah, they didn't. Nah, they didn't. You know what they did? They didn't even they watch this. <laughs> yeah, there was a few different versions. One of the ones as well is that, like, let's say that apparently young lad Robbie tried to escape and he went, and somebody went after him, was one of the accounts, and struck him in the back of the head and then dragged him back in. And one of them was that they just killed him right where he was lying. And then another one sure. was that they um, he got up and then he went over. And the, like, the really rough account was apparently one of the lads was doing what he was doing to the ladies and then got up and walked over as soon as this thing sat up and then beat him to death and then returned like hold on a second sorry fucking cats <laughs> my god hey wouldn't be an episode there's, yeah there's without an, the okay, cat. paper bags here a cat. <laughs> 
as usual, Katra is nosy as hell about bags and boxes. Yeah. And I have a bag here. It's a paper bag with some oh, Christmas God. stuff in it. And straight away, the two of them are trying to climb into it at the same time. We're all like, hey, what's this? <laughs> no, get away from it. Is there anything more 1880s, though, than having a kid with only one leg from a railroad accident? <laughs> no, yeah. no. You, just you just don't hear about that anymore. Yeah, no. No. <laughs> he, he, you know what he does? He, he went to play with pennies on the uh, rail line, and the pennies yeah. shot out and cut his leg off. You see, what but actually you know happened what? to him was at that least he was he told... He, he was bored and he was doing that, but at least he didn't go out and start murdering a bunch of people. Well, that's no true. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you see, he was told the old trick of if you're going to try and jump onto a moving train, you have to run fast enough to be able to count the nuts in the wheel. So he decided to do that, but then he remembered halfway through that he couldn't count. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, that was another problem with the 1880s. Yeah. Especially in Kentucky. <laughs> it's still a problem in 2023 in Kentucky. That's still, that's still <laughs> oh my god. All right, well, we could sit here and make fun of the South all day, but <laughs> that's another episode. We'll lose any more listeners yeah. than we already have. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, Dan, good job on both of those. Phil, fucking crazy. <laughs> Very entertaining. Just to uh, start this episode is going to be, and the subject of today's episode is. well with that all done and over with uh, i think we'll we'll end our christmas episode because this episode does come out the on christmas eve the day before christmas uh we will end it with the uh reciting of a of a yuletime classic the night before christmas The torture version of it. Anyway. <laughs> I'm crying over here. I'm laughing so much. If you're a, if you're an avid listen to listener to the show, every everything in here should uh, strike a chord with you. If you're just an occasional listener, some of it will. Dan should get all of it. See how much he's been. Depends on how much I listen. <laughs> <laughs> you expect too much of me, Kevin. <laughs> <coughs> "'Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the flat, "'not a creature was stirring, not even a rat. "'The gloves were all hung by the chimney with care, "'though a little stretched out, thanks to the choke pair. "'Jesse Pomeroy lay all snug in his bed, "'while visions of asses to bite danced in his head. "'The English yeoman smiled while he napped, "'thinking of the Irishman he just pitch-capped. "'Sorry, Dan.' Then a rustling from the yard. I noticed the clatter, so I went to the window to see what's the matter. I looked down to our bushes, someone sneaking below, and there was Dan's most hated enemy, Paul Bernardo. Fuck you, Paul Bernardo. (laughs) While he was waiting for a girl to be all on her own, I hurried to make noise, so his cover was blown. With the use of my knuckles on the window I did tap, and that's when he stood up and started to rap. Like, hey, man, you think I'm innocent, but behind this, I'm packing a lot of deadliness. So come at me, man. Take your best shot and see what happens to you, pal. You out of here, man. You come at me with your beer, your beer pot belly. You think you're really tough and tough, man. Just then, a Viking, all stoic and regal, put us out of our misery. He gave Paul the blood eagle. 
Then up from the roof, I heard what sounded like a wreck. I ran through my front door, outside to inspect. I looked to the sky and stared with a wow. It was Idi Amin shouting, I'm the king of Scotland now. <laughs> I knew it was a lie. It was something he did. So I went back inside, time to go back to bed. I hurried to close the door so the wind wouldn't freeze us. I got warmed by my very own brazen bull. Be sure to leave room for Jesus. <laughs> the noises from the chimney. The fiend was on his way. As he emerged, I stood in horror. It was Joan's friend, Gilderay. I ran to lock the children's doors before he could find their beds. I needed to think quick or else they might all lose their heads. I thought about methods and devices, something to hurt, not to heal. But the breast ripper wouldn't work, and the head crusher isn't real. Maybe a flogging or a caning or a shambach to the hip. I could mix it with the keel hauling and use the old barnacle whip. A bassination might do, or boiling in water or wine. Even Ling Chi, a punishment that would fit him just fine. But then I saw what I needed. Something to strike real fear. Old Bluebeard scurried back up the chimney when he saw my crocodile shear. Assured the devil was gone, I shuffled off to rest my back. I opened my bedroom door and stared in at the rack. Today the queen was Catholic. It was my turn to be in pain. Maybe tomorrow she'll be Protestant and we'll switch places again. As I lie there on the wood, thinking of all the episodes we've done, the cults, the prisons, the deaths of the old and the young, from sacks full of animals to Gertrude, that dumb bitch, to crushing and outlawing and ducking a witch, force-feeding prisoners and putting alkies in a barrel, old Crazy Bob and his knives placing women in peril, the Brazilians with their perch, the Viet Cong and their traps, Watching Synanon face its inevitable collapse. Piatak, Latumba, the horrors of Nanking, the vampires of Yerbabuena, the wrath of the Burger King. One more turn of the gear as my joints come apart. I think of the people to thank that are so close to my heart. Thank you, Phil, and thank you, Deb, for having us on her show. Thank you to all our patrons we've had, Jag, MX, and Willow. As the pain sets in and I'm about to pass out, I remember Dan's words of wisdom. Sort your fucking life out. So take care of yourselves and take care of each other and a loud and mighty song to my favorite Irish brother. Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> I love Thank that. You. Oh my God, that was amazing, Kevin. Thank that, you. That, Thank that you. was Fantastic. fucking good. Oh. <sighs> Well, with that said, uh, you know the whole the whole spiel. Go to all of our uh, socials at TorturePod, uh, Twitter, Instagram, all the other ones. Uh, email us TorturePod at gmail dot com. Patreon Patreon dot com slash TorturePod. You can get you know first week free of cult leader tier. Uh, Redbubble dot com slash people slash TorturePod for some of this fucking merch. Beautiful merch. Yeah, and uh, you know. All the shit that I, I say every fucking week. Merch um, baby. Phil, Merch before we get out of here, let everyone know where they can reach you and hear you and your golden voice. My docile tones. Of yes. The uh, podcast mogul, if you will. Um, you guys can go all check me out if you choose to. Uh, before you check me out, make sure you leave a five-star review of Torture Pod because they deserve it because they put in so much amazing work. Like, just th that... that Kevin, that beautiful Christmas yeah. 
story. Um, Kicked my rat song in the ass anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, make sure you guys leave a good review, uh, five stars, because this is an amazing podcast. I have so much fun coming on every year for the Christmas episode, um, which, again, you both destroyed my mind. Well, Dan destroyed my mind mentally with Mm -hmm. uh, the the first one, because that's a lot of drama uh, for some people to have in their life. Uh, but if you want to follow me or learn anything about entrepreneurialism, make sure you check out Invest in Yourself Pod, the digital entrepreneur podcast with well over 400 episodes of amazing entrepreneurs sharing their knowledge with you so that you can start your side hustle today and start investing in yourself. Right, One lucky person might Hopefully... win this anus investment <laughs> picture. <laughs> Yeah, leave a review, email us, DM us on uh, social media. The, we'll put you all in a hat. Whoever wins gets that gets the gets the anus. <laughs> Looks like it says invest in yourself. Invest in yourself. Uh, yeah. yeah, Phil. Hopefully, we can keep having you come on, and make this a yearly thing. Uh, I would. Year. It, next year, done. It is next year done. Be, uh, I love it. Christmas time, true crime, thirty three and a third. Thirty three and a third. I love it. <laughs> The Search for Spock, Chapter 3, <laughs> Parabellum. All right, Dan, what do you, uh, we got any words of wisdom? Yeah, don't, don't do stupid shit in Japan. <laughs> don't go in Japan. Don't go in Japan. Yeah. Um, if you're bored, play a, play a board game. Play D&D. Yeah. Play... If you want some drama, play D&D. Yeah. 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 Yeah, um, plenty of and, drama, and make sure that if to make sure that people completely understand exactly what you're saying, that make sure for a definitive fact that you're constructing a sentence. Make sure <laughs> to put use. new word new in between everything you say. <laughs> Do not like otherwise it just sounds like one long don't confuse one people long pushing word. your words together. Yeah, like Phil like... started strong where he he said new word, and then after that. The entire thing, I assume, was just one word. One word the entire way. I was spelling. Oh my god, I'm never. It was this just down. one entire word after that. I can imagine. <laughs> the use of space is now yeah. obsolete. Filled in with new word. All right, last thing before we go, Dan and I are going to take a small break for the new year. Uh, just an extra two weeks, so no episode on the seventh. We'll return January twenty first, twenty twenty four with brand new episodes oh man 2024 fuck I can't believe it I might finally get around next year to writing an episode (laughs) yeah oh yeah we'll see we'll see (laughs) we'll see it's been been a year and a half so we'll see Uh, Merry Christmas Happy Hanukkah Super Saturnalia Radical Ramadan Joyous Kwanzaa but forgot anything fill it in uh, have a happy and safe New Year's. If you plan on partying, please do so responsibly. No drinking and driving, please. 2023, great year for us. Uh, thank you all for that. Let's make 2024 even better. All right? <sighs> happy all right, birthday, guys. Have Jesus. a good New Year. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye.